God. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may joining us from. Uh, my name is Devin Morgan. I'm the director of youth baseball at Driveline, founder of the Driveline Academy, and this is the Driveline Academy podcast. We're never gonna, we're not gonna go through like the three name thing again because it is the Driveline Academy podcast. I realized when I actually watched the video and I saw the title card, I was like, oh, why am I agonizing over this? It's just the Driveline Academy podcast where we're gonna talk about youth baseball stuff. And I am joined by Tony Davila, Academy Coaching Operations Coordinator. Good morning, Tone. Morning. And uh, the new face that is with us today, replacing our own Ben Harley, is Driving the Coordinator, Jeremy Tectiel. Uh Jeremy, welcome to the show. Welcome to the organization. Clap, 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 clap. Thank you. Thank you. Excited uh, to be here. Um, so, uh, man, I, I want to try to like make this palatable for people who are trying to like run youth teams and organizations that don't have access to like a half a million dollars of technology in their facilities. So, so that might be a little tough. Uh, I guess the, the point that I want to make here is that like, there's really like two people on the face of this planet that can help Academy in our organization weaponize track, which is driveline's track software, T-R-A-Q, pun intended. Thanks to Kyle Rogers, I think came up with that name. I don't remember. Um, shout out to Kyle Rogers. But anyways, uh, there's like two people on the planet that can help us do that better. And you happen to be one, one of them. <laughs> so like other than scooping Max Engelbrecht, uh, Oregon State alum, uh, teammate of Juan Soto. <laughs> teammate, uh, former teammate of Juan Soto. Uh, you were the guy, man, and I'm just super happy that you're here with us. So um, so thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, extremely passionate about youth baseball. Had uh, had a great time coaching our 13U team this year at the academy. And uh, yeah, like Devin said, I've been working on, uh, on track for multiple years now. So I'm one of the world's two foremost experts on the software. Um, <laughs> So I'm, and I've talked to a lot of people about how to better utilize track for their programs, whether it's a travel program, high school, college, pro teams, what have you. So um, I have a lot of very strong ideas about how we can use track and how other people should be using track, uh, no matter what tech you have to link to it, uh, to help kind of run your academy more smoothly and, and develop athletes. Yeah, and because that's that's the North Star, right? And it's yeah. like, I think this is kind of the same conversation that we literally just finished our department stand-up um, and we're, you know, talking with uh, the the OG god, Max Dudo, uh, Director of Player Development here at Driveline, um, about uh, kind of, I think, the thing that we finished talking about at the end of episode two, which is not, not being afraid to take a bunch of bullets being the first through the door. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, we can get into, I think, some of your previous experience uh, working with the MLB front office, working with the Rays, working with the Mariners. Uh, I mean, but but the point is, is that, like, um, I think at the core of it, we don't want to play in the same end of the pool as everyone else, at least kind of in the conventional ecosystem. Uh, and once you make that decision, it's just kind of like this this downstream stuff of like, all right, well, what's important? How do we how do we how do we define what's important by what we measure? And then how do we evaluate and iterate our program over time to just get the best possible results? Because like that's that's the point. And when I think about stuff like track, certainly um, if I talk about like our use case, which is it like, well, I might have to uh, make sure that like my TrackMan data imports into the profile of a 14U athlete that I'm not doing pitch design with, but I'm doing like grip optimization, right? Just try to get the fastball to run a little bit more efficiently. Uh, that particular use case probably doesn't have a lot of relevance if you're like running a, a majors little league team in Omaha, Nebraska, 
on a dirt field, right? Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't. But it does if you think about, uh, I mean, like Chad Longworth, right? Like shout out, shout out to Chad Longworth, first of all. I love Chad. He's the man. Um, but like Chad just posted a thread on Twitter, I think this week, where he was talking about using track to measure stuff like that, the weight of his athletes, right? Like it's it's this very, very basic thing, which is if you want to draw a path forward in this game for these kids, you just look at like, what does a D1 player physically look like, right? Like, what do they physically look like? All right, well, most of them are like, you're not going to be 6'2", 145, like that, like that, that path just does very unlikely to exist, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Chad was kind of just showing on Twitter. It's like, hey man, this is just another thing that we can track. And I say that to say that for that athlete, for that coach who's coaching a, a little league majors team in little league, you can think about ways that you can utilize a system like track to just decide what's important. Like that, that's really it. And there is a technological integration side of that if you're trying to. Uh, put your coaches in a position where I want to be able to look at my hit tracks information and my blast information and my Rapsodo information. And I want to quantify like uh, strength development, like reactive strength index, the same way that we do here with like older collegiate professional athletes. That's a thing that track can do. Um, You can also just like, Hey man, one to five, you come in on um, you come in to practice and you just write on a sheet. What does your arm feel like? Right? Like, like, the stuff that is important to you is the stuff that you measure. And, yeah, I mean, and, and even, like, that's even, where it starts. Even in something as simple, like uh, just off the top of my head, something as simple as, you know, in in the past, we've just kind of watched bullpens of pitchers and had a maybe had a radar gun, if you have a radar gun, and just kind of sat there and been like, oh, here's the velo, here's the velo. And then you've just kind of remembered it in your head as a coach and been like, oh, that bullpen a week ago, you were kind of in this ballpark. You know, it's, something as simple as, you know, using a workout in track that is a, a bullpen workout and lists all the pitches and you can just input those velocity numbers. And you can be like, oh, here was this exact average of fastball velo on this bullpen day. And you can also see like, oh, any other data that you track, uh, right. did you lift that day and input weights of what you lifted that day? S- really simple things that are just, you know, they're still manual input, but now you have it all in one nice little place for you that you can actually try and draw, maybe draw conclusions from all of this data rather than assuming it all in your head and just trying to figure it out based off of that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you said figuring it all out in your head, remembering it all in your head, or the other alternative, if you're not using track or even like Google Sheets or some way of collecting information, is you're writing it down on a piece of paper and good luck finding that piece of paper when you actually need it, right? Like you have like a stack of them like this on your desk, try to figure out which one is from that last bullpen, trying to track that over time. It's for, not for, enjoyable for sixty athletes for 60 over athletes. over a year or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, you know, in my role with track, I talk to a lot of coaches who immediately to start the call, whether they're like just qualifying the fact that they may not know how to use software or whatever. A lot of them like to start with like, "I'm an I'm an old school guy," uh, and I'd say, "Okay, so what does that mean? Like, does that mean you just don't collect any information? Because I don't believe that." Like most coaches, I don't care who you are, are writing down something or trying to remember something. Yeah. What, like it doesn't have to be bat speed or exit velocity. It should be. It doesn't have to be. Like it could be how many pitches did you throw? How many errors did you make? How many ground balls did you feel properly? Like things like that where like it does not have to be highly technical information that you're collecting. Should be something though. 
And like most coaches collect something. Yeah, was it a just strike or not in your bullpen? Right. Whatever you want to. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, like we have these bullpen tracking sheets and we don't fill out every piece of information depending on the age of the athlete. Like we're not really caring about certain information for younger athletes. We really just care about like, what was your velocity? And like, did you execute that pitch the way you wanted to? Right. And then we can track that over time. And as they get older, we can layer in other information and things like that. But you don't like we do have access to a lot of things here that people do we not have, have a lot access of toys, to. Yeah, a lot of toys, you know, and we can lean on them sometimes. But I, like I said, I've talked to coaches all over the country who use this without those toys and like just a way to track information and be able to to see it long term. Um, and like one of those things is uh, and like I deal with this with the 13 new kids all the time is uh, they have a bad day at practice, whether it's like normally they're throwing, you know, 65, 66, and today they threw 62. So they feel like they got worse or whatever. Being able to like have this data from a long period of time, you can show them, look, there were ups and downs last year too. Like you have up and downs constantly, but all we care about is long term. And here's like, the, this is where you started. And like, here's who cares line, if it yeah. goes like this, as yeah. long as like it's trending up. Right. Yeah. And like, you can't tell a kid and show a kid or a parent that information if you don't track it and collect it. Yeah. The trend line is so huge, man. And like your, your point about paper is incredibly real. So I, um, so our, our house, we have one room in it that I've kind of just converted into like my gym. Uh, so it's got a rack in there. It's got some weights. And of course it ends up being a dumping ground for everybody else's stuff because of course. Um, but like I was trying to clean it out the other day and I had an old coaching bag in there. And I think it, the last time I used it was from before COVID. And I'm like, all right, like I haven't opened up this bag in a couple of few years. I wonder what's in here, dude. <laughs> There's like a, a stack of paper like this high and it's like lineups and game notes and like my little QAB sheets and all this other stuff. I'm just glad there wasn't like a power bar or something in there that was. Oh, of course. There's 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 half drink. Yeah, half drink thing. Yeah. yeah, there's like. <laughs> Moldy. I am the Metrex Big 100 yeah. guy, dude. There's this. There's, the, there's an Oreo flavored Metrex Big 100 because half I. Eaten. Yeah, because that's, I mean, you know, there's like that and there's like. Um, there's like the the bug spray bra or the, those mm -hmm. little bracelets to try to get that the bugs off you yeah. that never, never work. Worked. It just makes you smell like yeah. that's Northwest, right. Northwest baseball oil. for you. Yeah, yeah. Swamps yeah. and yeah. There's there's that. Um, if it worked, it wouldn't have been in your bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's suntan lotion, but it, but like but again, a whole bunch of paper. Mm -hmm. And like I remember what I was doing back then. So this is like 2019 and before. It's like. I would, you know, we go coach the game and I've got my QAB, QPA sheet for quality at bats and quality pitching appearances and some other. And then I would just do like stars, so like good defensive plays. And after the games, I would try to be in a habit of like sending out an email to my parents about like, hey, you know, or I'm, or at least I'm talking to the kids um, about the the stuff you don't find in a box score. Because that's, you know, we've we've hammered this message before. We will continue to hammer it again that just like. A uh, box score is a great, uh, efficient way to record the outcome of a baseball game. And it's a crappy way to record stuff that is like developmentally progressive stuff that doesn't. There's a, a crap ton of stuff that doesn't show up there. And I would try to at least get in a habit Why I would talk to the kids about this stuff in our post game, you know, like this five minute talk. And instead of like berating them about all the stuff that got wrong, mm -hmm. um, it's like, how do we incentivize the stuff that got right? And not to say that I was always on the on that side of it, because I. Man, I know I've done that thing, and I've like talked to a bunch of eleven-year-olds. Like, we just didn't show up to play today. Like, <laughs> man, what? What are we doing? But anyways, uh, but because it just lives in paper, 
right? It doesn't go anywhere, and I get no longitudinal story about what we're accumulating over time, right? All I and because I don't have that somewhere that I can that I can look at it that way, then I just I have to look at the box score. Yeah. Um, like I just have to. And so it's like, you know, last the you know, episode two, we were talking about like a whiteboard is a really impactful way to bring technology to the field because you just get to decide the stuff that's on that whiteboard that's important to you. You're sending a different signal to your players. The next layer of that is taking a screenshot of that whiteboard inputting that data into track mm -hmm. and then you get to establish it over time yep um and like and it's just you know we, we talk over and over and over um you know if twitter wasn't down today we would be talking about uh some stuff that i saw this morning about 6u tournament baseball <laughs> oh i saw that yeah and and like the the whole thing that we're going to continue like uh beating people over the head with is it like if we don't measure other things we are beholden to the one thing that we measure mm -hmm. like that's just how it works man mm -hmm. and because all we measure is just like box score performance we lose all this other picture um you know and like we we talked you know in the in in last episode about like if if we could do anything that would be relevatory for youth baseball it would be treating it more like track and field how, how do we understand through stopwatch uh and and a tape measurement progress how, how do we how do we do that right mm -hmm. and and i think you know again part of the leverage of being able to bring jeremy into our into our academy and, and the message that i would send to anybody whether you're running another like uh select baseball team like us or whether you're running like a, a little league majors team is it doesn't it's not going to cost you a lot of time to have a clipboard in your hand and you get to decide the stuff you want to incentivize relative to your group. And then it is just record it, communicate it, and understand it over time. Like that, that's it. And whether that is body weight of your players or whether it's bat speed or whether it is aggressive swings in the box or whether it is, uh, you know, minus count uh, strikes thrown for your pitchers. Man, there's, there's all this stuff you can capture. You just have to decide what is appropriate and relevant for your group. And then burn a couple calories to record it and then burn a couple calories you get on the phone with with somebody with our track team we'll build you a custom input to be able to record this stuff or just or if you if you're not at that point you're just running a majors little league team just run a spreadsheet like it, it's just and when we talk about this stuff it, you know i think about like that conversation like well i'm a, i'm an old school guy right but like i know that those men and women that are sending that signal they don't mean that to say that i don't care Right. It's not those those two things aren't paired together. It's not like, well, I'm an old school guy and I just don't care about my players. It couldn't be further from the truth. Right. You know, like. What what you want, though, is you want like the Jerry Weinstein's of the world, <laughs> like you, you want uh, guys who uh, who just understand that you can capture other stuff in this game and that doesn't come at the expense of an old school approach. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I it the the idea that those two things are just like polar opposites is 100% a fallacy. That ain't right. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so, so yeah, man, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're in the same position as a lot of other people and that we have, um, you know, we continue to iterate on the way that we kind of run this academy program. And I think that the big things that we're moving towards is like, uh, again, like we're, I'm not coming at this as if we have it solved. Like we're continuing to develop this thing over time. Uh, and I think the big thing that we're looking to kind of get better about in the next, in this next like 18 month cycle really is a better job of uh, weaponizing the tools that we have and a better job of communicating them because it's everything. Yeah. I think that's the 
big key is the communication part of it and how you're like sharing that information with the athletes and their parents. Uh, like I know what piggybacking off of what you just said, and I know we talked about this last week, but if you don't give, if you don't show them or give them something to look at, they're just going to look at the wrong thing. So if you don't provide them with information that like, Hey, this is what's important. And this is what's we're tra- what we're tracking. And like, look, you, you are up like eight miles an hour of exit velocity since the beginning of the season started. If you don't do a good job, communicating that and having a place for them to always go back and look at that, they're just going to go on Game Changer and look at their box score stats. And like, if you don't want them looking at that, which, you know, you shouldn't, then you have to provide them something else to look at because it's not realistic to think, oh, they just won't look at anything. So like you, we, it's, that's one thing that for sure, like track helps with is being able to, to have these dashboards over time, to have goals that you have your athletes like, hey, this is your goal this month, whether it's, I want you to gain three pounds, uh, shout out Mean Girls reference, or whether it's uh, like, I want you to gain a mile an hour in bat speed yeah. or, or, or a mile an hour in exit velocity. Whatever, whatever that goal is, you can set goals and then give them something to strive towards yeah. uh, and like give them that validation that, hey, you completed your goal. Like we might've lost the game last weekend, but like you, you got to where you wanted to get. Now let's attack this next month. Here's your next goal drive towards this yeah, yeah. and like without presenting that to them and really communicating that to them in a strong way they're just going to care about wins and losses and yeah. you know what's my batting average in, in game changer and, and stuff like that well, i think an interesting thing too is to approach this from the other side of this is you know we're talking about um organizations or coaches using this um for their players and whatnot it's also a very beneficial tool and like concept uh to do this like as a head of your organization like you know myself being the coaching operations coordinator, you know, being able to communicate what like a player's goals are to the coach. Like if you're the head of the organization, you know, you have a plan and you like, this is what we want for our players. Like our goal is as our play for our players to, you know, for us, it'd be something like uh, a certain percentage increase in exit velocity or thrown ball velocity. Like we can communicate that through track to our coaches and give coaches, you know, we can communicate workouts for players that we know work, and we don't have to, you know, as once again, like as someone who's trying to um, kind of not standardize, but I guess standardize like how our coaches operate. And so you're not so heavily reliant on like each individual coach um, throughout your whole organization, being able to kind of program from top down um, to achieve certain goals and kind of communicate that through Slack or sorry, not Slack through track. Um uh, to both players and coaches and parents and everyone's just on the same page. It's all somewhere stored. You don't have to kind of continue to have those conversations off on the side. It's kind of a beneficial thing from the other half of it too, as well. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, it's it's always good to to gain, but that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Like there are times when like because we collect the data, we may able to, we may be able to look at something and say that didn't work. Mm-hmm. This last month, the yep. programming that we gave this athlete didn't work. Mm-hmm. All right, let's switch it up. We don't know if it didn't work, and we can't switch it up if we don't track it. Mm-hmm. And like, going allows right you to back make to organizational coaches, changes. Allows yeah, you to make yeah. organizational changes and say like, hey, this coach had like forty percent of his athletes not complete their goals. Like, we need to maybe think about replacing this coach or have a conversation with this coach about being, you know, ha- having his athletes develop better and, and, and actually complete their goals and, and making sure that he's focusing on those goals like he should be 
But so it's it's the positives and negatives, and I'd even argue that like the negative side is more impactful to track it. System of accountability. More, yeah, it's more important to know when you're wrong, yeah. when you, when you're doing something wrong and you're, and you're failing the kids than it is. Like we know what we do right here, and sometimes we don't always know what we do wrong, and that's not just like a drive line thing. That's humans, right? So yeah. like being able to see and have that, like you said, system of, of accountability, where like we did not do this well. Now we have something to work on. Now we have something to fix. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that. The, the operative word that you guys both hit on there is system. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, it's system. And I think, uh, you know, I was thinking about this on the drive in this morning. Um, when uh, my son first showed up at driveline, uh, I've, I've told this story before. So I'm, now that this is our own podcast, I might as well tell it here too, you know, like, so I can like copyright on my own story. Uh, when, uh, when I started taking my son down here, um, you know, I'd been following the drive on blog for a couple of years. I had, um, you know, I was, I was trying to do bands and plyos in a little league setting with like, you know, nine and 10 year olds. So anybody that is like in the field and is try to execute that level of cat herding, teaching <laughs> J bands to like a bunch of like eight and nine year olds. Hey brother, I feel your pain. I, I, I've, I've been there. You want to talk about going through the door first and catching bullets, man. I've, yeah, I've, I've done that. Um, but I had been reading the Driveline blog for a while, you know, obviously, you know, hitting Twitter, baseball Twitter back in like 2018 still was, you know, a little, little bit of a wild place. Um, Clearly changed a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah no, it's, it's definitely calmed down a whole bunch. It's a whole bunch. Um, we should do a segment one of these days where it's like mean things said in my DMs and also just like replies. Here's here's, here's like, this is why you get blocked. We'll yeah. do that segment. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Um, so anyways, we, we um, you know, because... Again, system, right? So we come in the first first day, and I've had experience with my kids of taking them to camps, taking them to clinics. I've taken them to places where, as a parent, I I know I don't know enough, you know. Like, and I'm I'm just trying to find somebody that it's like they know more than I can to provide stewardship in for for my child that in a way that I can't, you know. Like, I, I I'm aware of my own limitations, and and I think the overwhelming majority of us parents are in that exact same boat because we, we don't play, we, I didn't play D one baseball, right? That's, that's not my story. And even if I did, uh, I want to have some sensitivity to the fact that what I did 20 or 30 years ago in the rear view doesn't have a lot of relevancy to, to whatever it is now anyways. Um, and I, I, we came in, uh, and it's not just like show up and, and just get after it. It's like, it's show up and it's this dynamic warm up, And I'm like, Okay. And then after that, it's like, well, go see Terry. And it's like, now you have my, my kid who at that point was just about to turn nine and all these other kids that are like 11, 12, 13, 14, they're doing a table assessment and they're looking at range of motion. Terry's looking for impingements. Terry's, uh, Brian Leslie is talking to them about like, how much playing have you done already? How much pitching have you done? And I'm like, like, oh, like I, I've just, I've never, I've never seen this mm-hmm. before. And I've, and I've sampled and I've sampled stuff, you know, I've sampled private instructors, I've sampled, um, you know, college clinics, summer camps, I've, we've sampled all of it and no one's taken this approach. And I was just like, holy crap, man. And, and I was impressed hour one of day one, uh, because this was clearly a system and this was a system that was being executed with college and pro kids, but it's also being deployed on, on my kid. Mm-hmm. And I sent him, I put, I posted on my Twitter that night and I was just like, um, the level of give a shit attitude, excuse me. Uh, it, it just, it, it was shocking to me 
because nobody had had shown that they had a system and then they exercised that level of care. Um, and I sent that message and I on Twitter and then you know uh, you know Mike Mike our our CEO actually sent me an email and like because Mike is always watching. First of all, Mike is always watching. Always. Um, so like so like yeah like. <laughs> Uh, like the CEO of the company sends me an email the next morning. He's like, "Hey man, that's I." There, he was like, "There's no better feedback that I can get from that." I was like, "Holy crap! This is a this is a level of care, you know." And it's also again like a level of of a system, and and again, there's a use case for that system uh, where you have access to a bunch of technology, and you're trying to like iterate on that system and stress testing how good it is, you know, like. Hey, you know, if if we put any kid on like a hacking youth uh, youth kinetic chain off season program, I feel reasonably confident for like ninety percent of those kids, it's going to be the it's really good stimulus and structure for them to gain mm -hmm. in throwing mechanics and throwing outputs. The tricky part is like, what do you do for that other ten percent, right? And to and to be able to answer those questions and serve those athletes, you have to have a system that asks questions of its validity of said system. Yeah, you have to know whether your stuff is working for for everybody because working for not everybody just isn't good enough. Uh, so, like, I, I think you know, being able to bring that leverage into play is is just is hugely impactful for for us. And I think I think a huge thing that you kind of just went over was like you know you were talking about with uh, with your kid going trying to find private instructors and things like that, you know, there are people out here who out in the world who do great work, you know, 100%. that like are great trainers of baseball skills and, you know, they pump out a bunch of kids, but generally those are like, you know, it's one person who works with five kids or six kids and they can spend that individual time with each one, you know, the system, like creating these systems allows you to do that on a larger scale, you know, which then in turn, you know, our whole goal is like, you know, provide more opportunities for every kid to, you know, for player development and right. not just a few who can find those specific trainers, you know, creating those systems allows entire organizations to have that elite level of skill development across the board um, as a whole, rather than just like, you know, the one, the few kids who can find that uh, pitching instructor who get them to play division one baseball and it's like great great for those five kids yeah but how do we create a system that allows that one instructor to pass this information on to a few other coaches that he has in his um his pocket that he can then you know disseminate that information to those kids and you know expand the ability to develop as a baseball player yeah and and like and you're also not you know i mean as the individual instructor you have the selection bias opportunity to just like only pull make yourself look good <laughs> right i'm gonna you... i'm gonna get guys that i know i can develop and this is uh like truthfully what probably the best major league orgs do is I like was hoping you were gonna go there we we know uh and like you know i i came from a scouting background so like uh organizations the, the good ones uh know what they're good at developing mm -hmm. they and they know what they're not good at developing and they're going to lean into scouting and drafting players that they know that they can develop i'm not going to take a guy who like all right he's got tools but like i haven't we haven't proven as an org that like we can develop this guy with with this tools, tools yeah. right and like as a a late bloomer myself uh who did not hit five foot or 100 pounds until after his freshman year uh i there's like 
driveline would have been the place for me because 100%. like they're all those private instructors they take one look at me ask me how old i am laugh at me and then say like no nah, i'm gonna probably take the kid that's like you know of, of normal height and, and normal <laughs> size and it's it's like it's not unlike school where like you have your curriculum that the teachers roll out and like there's a non-zero amount of kids who no problem like i'm not gonna say 90 percent because you know graduation rates aren't that high but like there's a non-zero amount of kids that like no problem the curriculum works for me. They learn things, they pass, they go to college or, or do whatever they want to do after high school. And then there's like the kids that like, okay, this curriculum doesn't work for me for whatever reason, whether like I learn in a different style than the curriculum is laid out or, or whatever the case may be. And like the best teachers are the ones who don't let those kids fall through the cracks yep. and like come up with ways for like, okay, like this curriculum didn't quite work for you. You didn't quite get this math problem so like i'm gonna try to explain it to you in a different way i had uh and like i luckily never really struggled with understanding math but like i had a, a an ap stats teacher in high school who straight up used gambling as a way to describe how stats work to a lot That's of kids so tight. and like it was really cool and i promise you a lot of those kids didn't forget that lesson like they're they they might have forgotten the lesson where he talked about uh like how many ice cream cones Johnny bought, but like they didn't forget, like you know, when we're sitting at the craps table that he built in our AP stats room, and like, all right, here are the probabilities, and like this is what you kind of need to think through, yeah. and like you know, teaching kids how to count cards, maybe not the best move, but everybody remembered <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. and like that's like applicable knowledge that like all of the kids in my class had. But once again, like looking back on it, like you're talking about one teacher that you got kind of lucky to have, and like that's the whole thing is like if you have a system that tells you like okay, maybe this is a possibility of like, or or even just the normal way we're doing things isn't working, we need to change something. Then you have a bunch of teachers who say, right. okay, well, the normal way isn't working, let's try something else. And you get all the AP stats teachers across the city to use that same method. And, and then you have 40 of you who are good at- Right, and if you, <laughs> and you, if you track this information, yeah. maybe you have a, you know, four foot 11, 14 u player who weighs 95 pounds and like you develop that kid and you have evidence of like hey we developed this kid and like we had x gains and you know whatever the next kid that's undersized that comes in you can pretty easily show him a path of like how you get better mm -hmm. and like you can't do that if you don't track the information mm -hmm. you can't just like point to that kid and be like he used to be your size I promise you, he used to be your size and like, yeah. he grew. It's like, okay, well, that's nice of them to hear. I like, as a small late bloomer, like I heard that a lot, like, oh, you'll grow, you'll grow. Yeah. And I was like, obviously, like, I'm not going to be under five feet. That doesn't help me right now though. Like I would rather you not you say like, no eventually you'll grow. And you have no evidence of that road that right. got him to that point. Right. Like, yeah. So. And, and knowing like, hey, like if you work on, if we, you were putting a lot of work in the weight room and like really work on your bat speed, when you do grow, because you will grow, this is what's going to happen and like you can see those gains in that path even before you actually like hit your growth spurt then like you we have like a robust set of evidence for those extra 10 percent of kids that it doesn't work for like we have a, an exact use case or use case maybe not but the right word but we have like evidence of like someone that you are like a really good comp to mm -hmm. that like we have developed and like here's the plan like mm -hmm. this is exactly what we're going to do with you and it and doesn't require a singular coach to know that exact plan exactly yeah and like and if you if you miss kind of the larger intention of that system which is you get a chance to build like you get more fish you get more fish because 
I mean, I, you know, I just, um, I, I think we all know like some of the kids that I have in mind at like 13, 12, 11, who are behind the curve in, in terms of just their physical presentation. But those kids, because we're deploying a system, right? Those kids are not only not getting cut out of the game before we even get a chance to see what they're capable of, but like they're catching up. Man, but they're catching up, you know, and it's like we we are you you have to meet them where they are. Yeah. You know, like you you have to meet them where they are, but um it's just a very different path to um to number one, just like cut that kid out of the game and not give them access to any type of either playing, even if just playing, period. Right? Because that's the thing. I mean, I, I can think of uh four kids in our 13U cohort that other organizations I doubt would 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 bring them in because they you know one of them is a calendar 13 he's like a biological 11 like I literally talked to uh to his mother um about you know that that particular thing but like that's not going to uh that's not going to last forever number one like that's just the thing you know uh, genetic growth is not linear we all understand this stuff but like this kid uh, you know, this one in particular that I'm thinking of, um, let me just pull up on, pull him up on my composite scoring sheet. Uh, he's up, uh, 11 miles an hour at top eight exit velocity in seven months. Like, and that's without growing and, and that's because he's still the same, growing, yeah. right? He's, he's had fractional improvements to right. growth. So it's like that box is going to get checked eventually. And all we're trying to do is put him in a position when that stuff starts to resolve itself. He's not, he it's like, all right, well, what was the thing I couldn't control? The thing I couldn't control was my growth. What was the thing that I could control? Building a base of skills, motor output, coordination and development and application therein within the framework of this game. Yeah. Like that, those are the boxes that we're checking because we're not simply just going like, well, you're not five, seven and above as a 13 year old. So beat it to beat it, you know, like, cause, cause that's, cause that's the other thing. And the only other thing that I would say kind of about the system side is uh, there was an article that was floating around um, this week on old baseball Twitter um, about how like travel select ball was kind of just like killing Little League, right? Because um, because it's taking some of the kids who are high-level competitors and sending a signal to the parents that like there's this keeping up with the Joneses thing if they don't stay, if they don't go do travel ball, um, so that that affects the, the, the talent pool of what's in Little League. So the question I ask is who's really getting pulled. The majority of it, my anecdotal one of one experience, I will grant, but over you know 12 or whatever years, is it's mostly the biological outliers, yeah. mm -hmm. right? The kids that are playing travel ball who are not the biological outliers generally are doing both. But the kids that are like real, you know, big, big outliers, those kids are getting pulled out. It's the kids that are calendar 12s or biological 13s, calendar 12, biological 14s. Yeah, it's the amount of times I've heard that conversation of like, oh, well, he's got a frame we can work with or something uh, like that. Yeah, a hundred percent. So then the the question that I ask, it's like, all right, well, well, then what's what's left in Little League? Kids that want to get better and kids that want to have fun. Yeah. And and I, you know, uh, without uh, putting a bunch of cards on the table of things that that I'm you know working on developing, but like large organizations. Little League, Pony, Ripken, or whatever. Within that cohort, there are districts and there are leagues who have the opportunity to implement a system mm -hmm. the same way that we do. 
because a system of progressive player development within youth baseball is not contingent upon a quarter million or, or half or half a stack of equipment. It's not. So, um, so, so my pushback is it's like, look, uh, number one, um, if, if other travel ecosystem organizations, whatever, if all they pull is biologic outliers, fine, because we're just going to collect more fish and we're going to put them in a system that develops them. But the other thing that I would offer is just that like, if you are unhappy with the development and the competition level of your local rec baseball system, talk to the people on that board. And you need to start asking hard questions about what systems do we have within the framework of our organization to develop these players. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the other thing that I will grant is that, again, because I served on the board of my little league for like a, a decade or whatever, is that oftentimes we're, we're hard up for help. You know, like little leagues are, are very, very hard up for help. Um, but, but again, man, if, if you're that parent who's like looking, um, and this is going to go directly to, uh, to a question that we have um, that we'll kind of we'll finish the show with. Um, if you're looking at your your little league's output and you're like, um, well, I, I you know this this doesn't look good. What you're looking at is the output of a system where nobody's hands are on the steering wheel. We're not measuring anything. We're not working towards anything. And then if the sum total is, oh man, hey, you know these kids play little league baseball and the competitive level is bad. Well, why? Are you taking ownership and authority over the men and women that are volunteering in your organization to standardize what's good? Are you setting the intention of the things that matter to us as a league? Because if you do, hey, look, the, the, the happy news that I can give you is that kids are adaptable to the stress and stimulus that you give them. Point blank, period. It's also just, I mean, like, once you create these systems, that's like the, the big thing is like, once you have these in place, yeah, you're going to keep iterating them and that work still goes on it's a lot less after you've kind of established yep. a baseline but like that we talk about you know what's our main goal as a, as a whole for youth baseball is continuing to like grow the game is our our big thing our big phrase that we use grow the game and like keep that pond big as long as possible um and if you create these systems you know if you're that parent that the one year I know it's I know it's tough to take that time, but like if you help create some sort of system that then can be iterated by other generations of little league parents, like now you're building a future of your whole little league system for years to come that can continue to grow that game and grow that pond. Yeah. And, and like when you think about it in that grand scheme of things, it's like, wow, that's a it's a big opportunity. Yeah. And the it's a tale as old as time where you like they pull the bi biological outliers out into into travel ball and like uh within two years they're no longer biological outliers because all the oh, other ones okay. catch up to them and then you've basically given the message to these kids these biological outliers that you pull out that are no longer biological outliers that they were a step above the rest of them and then when their development stalls because you're not doing anything and it turns out that the only reason they were head and shoulders above everybody else is because they were bigger and stronger and you haven't developed them that's when those kids get burned out and want to quick baseball because like I haven't gotten any better and this isn't fun for me anymore. Yeah. And like that is, you know, every one of us who played yeah. know someone who is the best kid in our little league yeah. at 12 or 13 because he grew first. He got pulled out in a travel ball. And then like by the time he was 16, he was like extremely mediocre. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, and it's funny because 
because again, the, the core question is like, well, did I get any better? If you don't measure anything, mm -hmm. if you don't measure anything, you just have no idea what that even looks like. Right. So like, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Mann, Driveline OG, uh, was on the, the R&D podcast. And he was talking to, uh, to those guys about this idea of like um, Brady, uh, Anthony Brady, um, director of R&D here, uh, and man, we're talking about this idea of like one way that they're kind of want to sharpen up live ABs as they get closer to competition is to take technology away, right? So because it's like when I'm competing, I'm not, I, I don't have access to that stuff, right? I can't throw a pitch and then check the TrackMan data and see like, all right, well, did that, did that have the shape and what mm -hmm. I want, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing about that is that the core idea that that is resonating for them is that if I just pay attention to the outcomes that I would create in competition, that tells me the truth of how my stuff plays. The tricky thing is that in youth baseball, I think probably like 13, 14 and under, it's the opposite. It's that if all you pay attention into is just like, again, box score outcome. What are the outcomes that I create? You have no visibility on your developmental progress. So it's like, uh, you know, the, you, you just, you have to understand that like that truth of competition, I think is only, it is specifically relevant to the level of competition and the talent of competition. And at the 12 and under level or 14 and under level, again, there is so much variance in terms of the competitors, biological versus calendar, skill acquisition, where mm -hmm. they are on that track. That, that that signal is really tough. You know, it's like we, you know, we're running the free Grow the Game training sessions right now. Um, email support at drivelinebaseball.com if you want to come down and trade at Driveline for free because that's a thing that we do. 425-523-4030. Um, wow, that sounds like a really good deal. Yeah, I mean, free, free 99, pretty good price. Yeah. Um, but we're running these free sessions right now, right? So people come in and, and I just kind of talk about our academy program, just broadly kind of what we're trying to do. I'm trying to John the Baptist this thing, right? And I, I get questions in the aftermath of, of parents that are like, hey, you know, um, you know, Johnny, Jane, whatever, um, we'd really be interested in kind of what it might look like to, to be in an academy team next year. And, you know, his or her, you know, the batting average, my favorite, uh, you know, real competitor, competitor on the mound. Uh, and, and like, I'm not saying that those things, I don't care about them, right? Because certainly uh, I think, uh, a system like this, even at the younger ages, really it needs to resonate within that kid, right? Like if you're gonna if you're gonna be uh, you know, eleven through fourteen, if you're gonna do off season training three times a week, you should probably love this very, very deeply. Now I will take responsibility for helping you fall in love with it. But there's a baseline level of like, all right, I, I really enjoy baseball. So so once we scratch that itch, man, it's just it's a very different thing that we're leaning into. Um, and, and all this other stuff where, again, the truth of your, your athlete's development, you're trying to tell me through box score results. It's like, man, you're, 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 you're painting a painting in the dark. None of us really know what this looks like. Like we just, we just don't, yeah. we don't really understand, uh, context. Now, uh, I, I think one of the things we could probably lean into next time is what we've been able to start to establish with our R and D folks is just like normative values of performance on the stuff that we can quantify. Uh, now we've been able to kind of put together like a sample of like, what do untrained nine-year-olds look like? What do untrained 10-year-olds look like? What do untrained 11? Because if you understand uh, the age cohort, uh, as these kids kind of grow in the game, then you can start to figure out not only 
what does a competitive 10U player typically look like, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think broadly anybody in our industry really knows. And, God, and, no. And, and just and to be really, really clear, I, I don't mean competitive on a game changer box score. I mean competitive relative to skill output. Mm -hmm. We don't know that. But if we do, now that we internally have done the work with R&D and shout out to our R&D department for kind of establishing this stuff, once we understand what the cohort looks like this year and you understand the year following, you understand the gap. So then it's just a question of like, hey, when we're communicating with athletes and parents, okay, this is where you are right now. And you are, you, you're above or below kind of this normative average value. All right, well, our goal, and I know the expected gain for kind of a larger age cohort over the course of like a 10-month training program and training and competition. So now the question is, can you beat it? You know, can, can you beat your biology? Mm -hmm. I understand normally what, what a normal 12 looks like, and I understand what a normal 11 is, and I understand average gain. Can you beat your biology? And what we're starting to prove out within our own academy is like, that's the thing that we're doing. Like, it's, it's, it's literally happening. Uh, and that's, I think, the thing that, you know, we're trying to provide context for parents to understand that stuff. And again, if this was a track and field, if this was like select track and field, we would understand this stuff implicitly. We would understand stopwatch times. We would understand distance. But but it's it's not universally done in baseball. Um, so we're we're trying to bring it there. Um, kind of relative to the same conversation we've we've been having. Um, shout out to my man Garrett, a Driveline Plus customer, who had a question for us. We might as well just kind of finish with this uh, because it's very much kind of what we've been hitting on. So his question is: uh, At what age is it best to just bite the bullet and jump to travel ball? First of all, I think the idea that this is like a bite the bullet is the way that we frame this conversation is very much indicative of a feeling that a lot of parents have, which is, is that if I don't participate in this thing, like my, I'm not serving, my, fall behind, right. yeah. I'm not serving my players. So, so anyways, I digress. Um, he says, I have a little league age 12 and nine sons that are both on the same majors team this, this spring. First of all, that's tight. Uh, I've been able to have that experience of like my 10 year old play with my 12 and it's it's the best it's that year, man. I, I, it, I, I will be, uh, on my, on my deathbed taking a dirt nap and I'm going to have a memory of from that final year, being able to coach both my kids. It's the best anyways, second diversion. Um, he says, I'm currently assistant coaching that team. The manager is great. However, his son ages out this spring and I'm in line to take over next spring. Um, he's gone through a youth baseball development certification course. Maybe you should take a look at it if you want. It's kind of good. Um, he's been implementing a lot of those concepts uh, with the team that he's coaching. Uh, but the issue that he's running into, he says, however, the, the league itself is lacking in talent at the 9 and 10 range. So I'm weighing keeping my son in Little League with not so great competition versus doing the travel thing with better competition, but then possibly all the other stuff that comes along all with the that. other stuff that comes with it. So he says, I'm going back and forth with what I think I'm going to do. So I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. So, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and start because my son started playing uh, travel ball when he was 10, I think is when that started. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He started his 11 year old. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. It was 10. Um, I think the big thing is less about the difference between these two environments and really as a parent trying to understand what is appropriate for your child relative to emotional maturity and the, and the, the environment that you're putting them into. And I think that is honestly the thing that matters most. 
Um, so when we, uh, so when my son, when we, we started doing travel ball, um, he started with a local organization. Um, and, and we had, I think, the, the profound benefit of the coach that ran that team for this other organization. Uh, shout out to my man, Eric. Uh, Eric was a great leader of young men. Um, and my son at the time, you know, he's, he's like, he's 10 years old. He's been training at driveline for like a year. It's just like, and he walks in and I've told this story before, right? You walk in the gym and you see Dan Comstock and Max Garrett and Max Dudo and you see Dean Jackson, like, and you see Eric Jagers, like all these guys. And my 10 year old is just like, oh, I'm, that's me. And then he goes out and competes as a 10 year old. And because he's 10, children are not small adults. Uh, it doesn't go perfectly the way that he wants. And there was just like this wild emotional variance. And, and we were so fortunate to have a coach that wasn't me not his parent that was able to provide him context and support, but also hold him accountable for those type of moments when there's this, I mean, that's, that's what you want for, I'm not, not even for a coach. That's what you want for a teacher of 10 year olds, right? Someone that's equipped, equipped to do that. So I would honestly say that, that Garrett for, for this particular question, I think the first thing to do is to try to figure out what your options are. And if the organizations that you're looking at have men and women that are equipped with that skill set. And like, you know, we, we've just spent all this time talking about the power of measurement, measuring what matters, skills at scale, copyright, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and, and that's all true. However. It's all secondary. At the base, base level, man. Like if, if it's really like, do I have to bite the bullet because you're worried about regressive coaching and an overemphasis of consequence and an emphasis on 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 prepubescent child athletes that they need to perform at this crazy high level of expectation. If relative to your marketplace and the teams and the coaches that you have available, if that's what you infer that you potentially might be walking into, I would say run away screaming. I would say run away screaming and take ownership as a parent that like, I don't, you don't need to be Bill Heasel. You don't need to be John Sotiropoulos. You don't need to be a guy that is capable of training the best athletes in the world to execute a developmentally progressive if you're, a progressive program if you're just working with your athlete or if you're coaching a little league team. Because, because the, the emotional sensitivity, guidance and stewardship and love and compassion, it means more at that stage. It really does. I, I mean, I'm sure you know there are coaches that coach guys at the high school and the collegiate level um, that are jerks. Yeah. Like, yes. That they're that they're jerks, and it's kind of Correct. inferred that there is a benefit to that. And knowing how like salad some of our 17, 18, like, and I'm not saying are all kids that ages are. Sure. Like there are there are horses that need to be that are like, you know, they need to be brought in line. Yeah. I get that. 10-year-olds, man, it's a different deal. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a big part of it is like, I mean, we're just talking about like biological age versus developmental age and stuff like that like you know the fear of falling behind 100 is, is a real thing but it's not one it just generally is something that's not you're not you are able to overcome is i mean anecdotally i played little league and juniors up until i was 13 so up until my freshman year of high school i then had college offers to go play college baseball mm -hmm. it's not a necessary route granted once again, I'm not that old, but it still has been about 10 years since, you know, I was in high school um, and things have changed, you know, more and more and more kids are getting this 
elite skill training at young younger ages, but it's still very possible. And I think the biggest thing that you hit on is like that emotional development and that like that situation for those kids at that age is far and away the most important thing. The reason I continued to get better at baseball and eventually tried to focus on that skill development was because I loved baseball in those ages at Little League. Shout out to uh, Mitch Vito's uncle um, was my Little League coach. Mitch Vito, dude. People forget. <laughs> NWAC player of the year at one point? I believe so. Let's go. Uh, his his uncle was my Little League coach. That's wild. Um, and so... And he was... I mean, he's a real estate... He was like a real estate guy. It's not like he was a baseball guy. Never would have taken any of these sort of certifications. So, sure. so you're already ahead of the curve there. Um, and... The reason I wanted to get better at baseball later down the road was because I loved baseball at that young age. Yeah. And and I think finding that situation, like you're saying, like if 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 you're having to say, I got to bite the bullet to join one of these programs, run away. <laughs> because yeah. the most important thing is those kids, one, like I said, you're ahead of the curve. You already understand like the importance of skills that scale, copyright. And uh, that's right, dude. Um, and just having that understanding already and being able to just give that base set of information to your kids and then have them enjoy the game is far and away the, the greatest first step you can take. You can figure out the rest down the road. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. And you, and, and also just, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to punt on development. Uh, you know, if so, so my man Garrett, man, you, you've gone through youth baseball dev certification, uh, not to just like page shill this thing, but whatever. Uh, it's going to give you the structure for, for running. Uh, you know, for running this. You know, like ninety day season in little league in the most developmentally progressive way as possible. If you want to uh, go one step further, then you know programs like Hack and the Kinetic Chain Youth is a great way to kind of go to build in the off season the type of skill development that you would see in a travel. Ideally, you would see in a travel organization, right? Like your select team should be developing skill at that higher rate. Uh, what we've tried to do is kind of um, increase access to stuff like that, increase access to tools, structures, and systems. Uh, so, so you can do that, man. You can do that in a little league organization with nines and tens. And like, you know, the only thing is, it's just, uh, you know, is is to what degree does your competitors impact your development? And like, and I've I've heard this before, you know, kids go into Little League and they get bad habits or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I literally was talking to a parent of one of our nine U kids or, or 10 U rather, but he's nine, um, who in Little League, his his hitting his hitting solution right now in Little League is almost to like lunge out of the box and get way out over the front leg because uh he's having a hard time learning to like, you know, it's like this big gravity ball. Uh, you know, fast pitch or slow pitch softball pitch is what's <laughs> happening because kids don't have enough arm strength. And it's like, look, you know, to, to your point, Tone, exactly. Um, it's not, if you develop that stuff just in an interval of time, it's not going to stay with you in perpetuity. These kids stay adaptable and shapeable from like nine through 16, 17, 18. So like a really, 16, yeah, is yeah. Generally where like yeah. it starts to become a little harder yeah. to mold, but yeah, to like a really, to a really high degree. So, you know, number one, I would just say that if what you're really trying to judge is, is, you know, this angel on one shoulder, devil on the other is kind of what your man just uh, lean to the, 
go to the white. Don't go to the red, right? You just don't have to accept eating this meal. Um, and then the other thing is, is that that is the choice that you're making because you're sensitive to uh, what you might be walking into in a potentially like toxic or just developmentally regressive or, or heightened competition uh, importance environment is just use your little league, right? Implement this system. And, and that's the other thing is that I'm, I'm not saying that like, hey, uh, you know, Garrett, you need to be responsible for, uh, for the developmental improvement of 48 teams in your league. But I will say if you uh, email our support, man, I'll, we'll find a way to, to, to help uh, democratize skill development for your entire league. Like let's, let's hook up all your coaches because, because that's the way that you do it. And, and if you can come into them and be like, Hey, uh, you know, these driveline guys, they, they train some really good ball players and, and they just want us to like, here's some, here's some practice plan structure. Everybody's going to have these practices that are fun and they're uh, developmentally positive on the skill acquisition side. I mean, the competition is going to be, the games are going to be the games. It should always be that the most stimulus you get is in training and competition is just developed. It's, it's the time for you to stress test that stuff. I, I just, I truly think that that's kind of where everything is, you know, like generally it's not that you're going to rise to the level of competition it is you regress to your level of ability. Your level of ability is established through training and the stimulus and stress and adaptations you get through that pathway. So the question is, it's just like finding the right path. You get to choose your own adventure to that thing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, we, we have stuff for free that you can get out there. We have stuff that you can, you know, the skills at scale book, youth baseball dev cert, like we, we can help with stuff like that. But again, man, it's just, uh, rising tide raises all ships, you know, and if you can get all these other coaches in line with this idea that like, Hey, maybe our nine tens right now need some extra attention because in two years I want to see really competitive twelves. Okay. Get the, the three other men and women that are, that are kind of be coaching these teams in the next couple of years and let's agree on what's important. Mm-hmm. So to bring it all the way back around to track, uh, agree on what's important, measure it, communicate it, and develop a system that gets you the output that you want, and then stress test it. And if you're not getting the output that you want, then then iterate. I mean, that's you, we're, we're talking about big and fancy works words in, for this and stuff. And that works like, in any environment. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. And not that you made it sound complicated or complex, but like it's way easier than you're even making it sound yeah. to do this. Like it, you don't have to spend a half a million dollars. No, or, God, no. Or really any money on this. You just have to like figure out what matters to you and start measuring it and tracking it. Yeah. Uh, whether it's free on Google Sheets or the free version of Track uh, or one of the paid versions of Track to get you even more robust tracking features and measuring measuring features like that is what separates. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it's, matter it, what, doesn't matter whether you do it in Little League or Select Ball. Right, and and we're not. <laughs> the, you, all you have to do is switch up the way you practice a little bit, right? Like yeah. it's we're we're not telling you that you have to play a different game or like everyone's got to wear blast sensors and like the X Y Z. Like no, just plan your practice a little differently because these are the things we want to focus on and not these. Yeah. And like, you know, we, with the 13 years, we got kids playing middle school or whatever. And the horror stories listening to the practices that go on in those and like they had tryouts or whatever. Each one of the 13 new kids yeah. had middle school tryouts. Every kid got one swing. One swing. What, yeah. like, what are we doing? Like how, like I scouted for a long time. <laughs> for anybody to be able to actually have any idea of an ability of a kid based on taking one swing that like, might have been a terrible throw from the coach because yeah. he just threw 80 pitches and is sure. a little little tired and he doesn't have a pulse on, so we don't know what his, you know, 
what his uh, workload is. Yeah. And like he just, you know, throws one in the dirt and you got one swing, so you got to swing at it. And like maybe it's an ugly swing. And the coach is like, all right, well, this kid's cut. Yeah. And then, you know, he's done yeah. with baseball. And like to, to bring it all the way back to the beginning, systems are real important. Um, it's, it's really, really important. So um, if, you, if you take away anything from this, it's just, you know, I think, again, you know, we talked, I think, last time about coaches taking ownership for their conduct around kids and, and sending positive messages and stuff like that. But what we're talking about today is taking ownership of your structure and system. And, and, and just you, you can't uh, navigate blindly. Like if you navigate blindly with stuff like this, you're just going to get bad outcomes or you're not even going to know if you're getting bad outcomes because, again, you are slave to the one thing that you're measuring your program by, which is wins and losses, and it's just inaccurate relative to skill and it's inaccurate relative to your environment. You are not Brandon Mann uh, in the box doing live ABs going like, all right, well, is my two-seamer really play because I'm getting outs? Hey man, at ten years old, if you're getting you, you you're gonna get outs if you just throw the ball around the plate, right? So, anyways, uh, that's all the time we got for today. Uh, thank you guys for listening. To us blather about all this stuff. I think next time we should probably just like talk about what like real good structurally sound uh, skill development positive practices actually look like, so we can break that down and just. Go and go and go and go for those of you men and women that are getting ready for all-star stuff coming into the summer and obviously tournament baseball as well. So I am Devin for Jeremy and Tony. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, man, I just hope you love this game. And again, just try to provide stewardship and and just, you know, love these kids because that it just it's at the top of the pyramid of stuff that matters most. We'll catch you guys next time.